Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. I'm Craig. And today with us, one of our favorite special guests. Uh, Say hi to the people, Simone. Hey guys, good to be back. We're really happy to have Simone back with us today. Actually, uh, she suggested this week's film in honor of Mother's Day, (laughs) which by the time you hear this will have already happened. Um, But Simone, (laughs) what movie did you choose? Um, I chose the 2016 film, The Eyes of My Mother, and this was a movie that I had uh, heard had come out in the States, but of course, living abroad, I wasn't able to see it in the theater, and I picked it up in one of our favorite little knockoff DVD stores over here, (laughs) uh, and, and gave it a shot, and... Man, oh man, was this, this is a very drastic change from the last time I was on this show talking about The Fly. (laughs) That's right. No Jeff Goldblum in this one, for one. Unfortunately, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not really many men in this one at all, quite not. Not many characters, really, actually. Yeah, small cast. Yeah. Uh, Craig, uh, I knew nothing about this movie. Had you heard of this film before? I don't think so. I don't think I had heard anything about it, um, and I just watched it. I, I didn't look anything up. I, I didn't know anything about So I didn't know if this was a new movie, an old movie. I had no idea. Um, and so when it started, and I could tell that based on the cinematography and whatnot, that it was a, a modern uh, film, I was a little bit surprised. <laughs> and I would say that that's a good way of, of describing my feelings about the movie overall. A little bit surprised. It, yeah. It's an interesting film. It really is. Interesting is a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you picked it, Simone, because we try to do all kinds of different you know, uh, types of movies. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised because uh, it was all in black and white, first of all. I, I thought when it started out in black and white, for sure, we were seeing a flashback, and then pretty soon it would change, you know. But this is a pretty interesting choice nowadays for a 2016 horror film to go black and white. It, it kind of shows the director is going for, like, art house, mm-hmm. you know. A film noir kind of thing, if you will. Yeah, it's not, uh, you know, a lot of the horror movies now that are coming out, it seems to be, you know, we've talked about this before, like a genre that's kind of revived in popularity again, Mm -hmm. but there's so many of them getting churned out that they're just all so commercial. You imagine that a person really wouldn't be putting out a black and white horror film unless they really were interested in more than just like making money. You know what I mean? And this is unconventional in the way that other horror movies of this day and age are going in that it's not a remake, I believe. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, It's kind of an original idea. Um, And the black and white really works because, Craig, you had mentioned it's modern, but when we were watching it, like, I couldn't decide what modern era. Like, people didn't have cell phones. The the trucks and the cars looked maybe a little old. So we were guessing maybe, like, 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Um, But then because of the like remote location of where the set takes place in this kind of small town that also could help with you know a town that's maybe a little uh, bit behind in the times yeah. um but i think black and white really works with this film because in in a lot of the scary movies especially the remakes that we see it relies so much on like blood and gore and everything's like doused in the color red but this movie was very effective and very creepy and we know that there's blood we we see it happening but i guess encased in black and white it just something old-timey and off it's very haunting it mutes the the gore and the blood quite a bit doesn't it yeah i mean there's a point in this movie where there's a big puddle of blood on the floor and you're not even sure if it's blood or water Mm -hmm. right (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, it definitely adds yeah. a whole different feel. And I'm glad I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, it. it I don't know if it's the black and white. I'm sure that the black and white contributes to it, but it, it feels almost like a period piece. Like it, it feels like you're watching something that takes place in the past. And yet you see all these modern things. Um, and that was one of the, and in a way it almost feels very dreamlike because throughout this whole thing, I was wondering how is this happening? I mean, the whole movie centers around the premise that, our main character, Francesca, is um, very isolated. It feels like a period piece. And yet, I kept thinking throughout, why is she so isolated? How is she so isolated? Like, this is obviously taking place in modern time. You know, they drive around in cars. Um, we've, we only one time really get away enough from the one central farm setting to see more of civilization. But when we do see that, you know, it's a, a contemporary bar that they go to and, and whatnot. But the, the whole time, um, this girl, it, it centers around the fact that she's so alone and, and that that kind of maybe contributes or causes her madness. Um, but the whole time I was thinking, doesn't she have to pay her electric bill? Like, I mean, like, how can she be so isolated? You know, like, she's got electricity, she's got a car, like, cars have to run on gasoline. Like, there have, she has to interact with the world in some way, but we never, ever see that. Um, and so to me, it felt very surreal. You know, it, it, it felt like a surrealist uh, piece to me. Yeah, it's so funny you mentioned that, Craig, because I have a big, bold note here, and Simone, your proof, right? Uh-huh. You see that? <laughs> Who's a- paying the electric bill? <laughs> yes. Who is paying her electric bill is exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> I thought that maybe because they're on this kind of isolated farmhouse that perhaps it was one of those electricity that like runs on pumped water. or Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Or solar panels, except this might have been a little too soon for solar yeah panel. maybe not solar panels but yeah some something where they have to like go on a bicycle and like turn out there. they take us through a lot of her chores but they really neglected the part where she generates her own electricity and how she learned how to drive and all of that stuff yeah it's okay yeah you're right um it, at times it also felt a little bit like um what was that um the village m night oh, you know? yeah yeah there was a point where I almost expected some little twist in there, kind of in that vein. Um, you know, that faded away pretty quickly. But yeah, it does right. have that quiet, deliberate feel. I would say, I mean, this is kind of an art house movie, really. It's mm-hmm. it's not going to be a movie for everybody. It's going to be a movie for people who are going to be willing to sit down and digest it slowly. Right. Yeah, and and it did. It reminded me of a lot of other movies. I definitely thought of the village because of of the isolation, and it also uh, reminded me of I don't know. It's it's a movie, Todd, that I've suggested either to your face or online. Um, the woman. I don't even remember who did that movie, but it calls calls back, not calls back necessarily, but it reminds me of lots of other movies. But at the same time, uh, it's also very unique, uh, and I appreciate that. That's another thing. As I was watching it, I was like, 
did Simone trick us? This <laughs> this doesn't seem this doesn't seem like a horror movie. At least for the for the first 20 30 minutes that's what I was thinking about. Um especially in the first half hour it really reminded me like of a Flannery O'Connor story or something yes. like kind of southern gothic kind of stuff. With, with um, all the Catholic imagery too, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know while it's reminiscent of of lots of other things or while it calls to mind lots of other things uh, it really is original and unique and i i appreciate that um so thanks simone <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome I, I, it's 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 rare that i have not heard even heard of of this type of movie and so to be able to sit down and and watch it with no preconceptions uh i i i enjoyed it so i'll be interested to see what you guys think the movie starts out with um it's kind of a long, slow, and there are a lot of these kind of shots in this movie actually uh, shot from the cab of a truck. And the truck driver, it turns out, is pretty unimportant. We can't even see him. Mm-hmm. We're just looking out through the windshield as it comes across a pretty, pretty rural landscape. Now, I will say, <laughs> and I mentioned this to Simone while we were here, Craig and I are both from rural areas, and we know that when you were driving down a really long stretch of road that you can see far off into the distance, you were not going like 30 miles an hour like this guy was doing, right. <laughs> especially when you're in a se- like a semi. But anyway, uh, he is driving along down here, and very slowly into view comes a woman in the middle of the street who... It looks like she stumbles or maybe deliberately drops down kind of in front of the semi and, and he stops and gets out and goes to her. Uh, and then it, she, he kind of bends over, looks at her, kind of walks back to his truck and, and immediately cuts away from this. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously a mm-hmm. shot that we're going to be coming back to uh, at some point. Right. So I was always, I was, you know, the whole time kind of wondering, okay, is this the person who is in the road? Because you can never quite see yeah, who the girl really is. Yeah, far away. So it, it's a Long little shots, bit, right? Yeah, it's a little bit of mystery here. Uh, but this is really setting you up pretty, pretty early on for the tone of the film. It's very quiet. It's very slow. It's very understated. I have to admit, like, I was waiting for that girl, like, I thought from the distance, from the inside of this cab, we were going to see something really sinister happen to this guy, like it was going to jump up. I did, too. (laughs) (laughs) I thought so, too. (laughs) And and so it did subvert my expectations a little bit. But the whole movie plays out like this, really. um, it, It doesn't ever really surprise you no and that's what i kind of like about it is that it takes a break from the traditional jump scares that we get a lot of times in in horror films Mm. um you know these shots where it's really really quiet and then something jumps out to either scare the audience or scare the characters and it is it is slow but it i think is effective of being like very creepy without necessary of those jump scares. Yeah, without the yeah, that's true. <clears throat> you get to a uh, a shot. The movie's actually divided into three parts very yeah, clearly three chapters. for us. Um, the f- chapter number one is Mother, and uh, it's this girl, young girl. Uh, her name is Frances- Francesca. Or Francisca. Or Francisca, right? And her mother, and I don't know if we ever got her mother's name, um, but that was unimportant. And uh, she is ch- talking with her. They're obviously out on this kind of farm-type place. Although it's yeah. not really a farm, is it? it? It must be. Oh, yeah, it's a farm. They've got cattle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're out on a farm, and she's talking to her about some saint, and they're picking flowers. And it seems like the mother is just 
completely involved in her daughter's education, essentially, Mm -hmm. uh, out here in the middle of nowhere. I I guess she's not going to school. She must have been homeschooled. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the, I think that's part of the mystery. Like, we never really understand where these people are from or what they are doing here because they're all Portuguese. Uh, or, well, and I don't even know if the dad is. It seems like maybe the dad is American, but the mom is the mom is Portuguese, and she used to be, uh, I guess, uh, a surgeon in in Portugal. And she's talking to her daughter. They they go out there, and, and you say she's talking about some saint. I, I actually thought that that scene ended up being really pivotal because she she talks about St. Francis of Assisi, which I don't know much about being a Catholic I, and having gone to Catholic school, I should know more. But St. Francis of Assisi, you know, what I think about when I think about him is like he, I think he's the patron saint of animals. St. Francis spent many years living alone in the woods. Then one night he saw an angel burning in the sky. And when he woke up, did matter. But loneliness can do strange things to the mind. Eventually he died of an eye condition that also would have caused psychosis. It didn't strike me as important in the moment, but that really is central to what I think the movie is about because they are so isolated. And eventually this girl, Francisca ends up alone on this farm. Um, and it, it really seems like it's the isolation that, that does, uh, drive her mad. And it may not just be the isolation, but just her lack of understanding of the real world, because in the beginning, she's this little girl. And like you said, her, you know, she's talking to her mom and they're, they're out there feeding these cows and then I didn't even un- really understand what happened. Like it cuts from them like petting and loving these cows. And then they're in their kitchen and they have a cow head in there. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like were, were they petting the cows and then they just chopped off one of their heads? Like, <laughs> I didn't understand what was going on. And as it turns out, it seems like the mother was really trying to impart her knowledge on her daughter. And they have this cow head and, and the mom cuts out the eyes and she um, like dissects the eye and and she pulls out this what looked like a stone, like a clear stone. Um, and uh, she said, everything that the cow sees passes through this stone. Uh, and and that seemed like it was going to be really important and relevant. And I expected it to come up again, but it didn't really. I, I mean, it, it's it's significant that the mother was trying to impart her surgical wisdom on the daughter, but I never really understood the whole... I, I feel like there was supposed to be some meaning behind the eyes, especially since the title of the movie is The Eyes of My Mother. Yeah. Um, but uh, I... I, I never really put together what that was about. But that idea that isolation drives people crazy, while I think that that is probably true, it plays out in the movie in a way that, well, I didn't know how it was going to play out, <laughs> but it, it does. You know, eventually, you know, she she kind of ends up on her own on this farm and, and she does go crazy, but it's 
it's like insanity is subjective. Like, you know, what is, what is crazy? What is insanity? You know, she's all by herself and she's all alone and really all she wants. The only people she's known are her mother and father. Um, and she clings to their memory and, and she craves companionship. And, and that's really what motivates everything that happens in the movie. And it, that's, it's subtle, you know, it's a, it's a subtle motivation that you don't see. It's not like a slasher flick where there's revenge or or some other motive behind the horrors that occur. I don't know. This is interesting. You know, I think that this would be interesting to analyze from a psychological perspective, even though I have no knowledge in that area. It's like she craves companionship, but she doesn't really have very good models of what that is mm-hmm. outside of her mother. So once she loses her mother, um, she's kind of adrift and can't find anything to replace that I I feel it's very bizarre the relationship that this family has with each other yeah and I think um, something that I kind of noted was that it's bizarre because once um, you know a big event in the movie happens where this man comes and visits their farm and asks to go inside uses the restroom which we all know we have that bad feeling idea. like, okay, this is bad. This is not good. I was weird from the get-go. Yeah, yeah his, he calls mm-hmm. himself Charlie. Um, and he, he just seems creepy. And, and so he asks where's the restroom and pulls out a gun and tells uh, Francisca's mother to, you know, okay, I'm, I'm trying to be polite here. Please show me where the restroom is. Um, and it, he kills her. What's so interesting to me is how so unfazed Francisca is. Um, and how kind of unfazed the father is. And I think perhaps because of um, Francisca's mother's occupation, she kind of, and growing up on a farm too, has kind of become very unfazed by death, very comfortable by Mm -hmm. death. Um, So we don't see her cry. We don't see her try and stop this man. um, Or even, she doesn't even look scared. She just sits down and and waits at the table, and then... Um, and she says, I couldn't leave her, Yeah, right? yeah, I couldn't leave her. Well, um, I'm it, not even sure what that means in this context, you know? Right, right. So, meaning, like, I can't leave her body, she's still in the house kind of thing, so... I couldn't run and get you? Is that what she was trying to say to the dad when he comes? That's oh, what she said to him. Perhaps. Maybe that's what she was trying to say with that, but it was an odd way of phrasing it. Yeah, um, I mean, she clearly has very poor social skills having her parents only being the ones that she's been able to talk to her whole life so when the father does eventually come home um charlie is in the bathroom with uh the mother and and the father at first when i when i first watched this i thought okay maybe the dad uh killed um charlie uh but he just kind of severely hurts him or knocks him out and just very calmly to Francesca says, like, we have to do something about him. <laughs> like, yeah. they're both so very casual about it. And you have to wonder, like, what is going on in this dad's mind? Because he has to know something's not yeah. quite right with my daughter. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's kind that's kind of what, to me, makes this a horror movie is because it's, it's, it's just so unsettling because you don't know what's going on. Like Charlie comes in, he, and again, this, he's like a door to door salesman. I, he's got some kind of pamphlets or books, uh, in his 
hands. And there is specifically a Flannery O'Connor story with a door-to-door Bible salesman. So that's kind of why I made that reference. But um, it, it's it's bizarre because you know, I mean, you can tell right from the beginning that there's something off about Charlie. He's just weird. Who, whoever the actor was that played that played it very well because uh, he, he's just unsettling in, in the way that he behaves. Um, but then he, he brutally, just brutally murders the mother. Yeah, I mean, and you had mentioned before how we don't really see a lot of this on screen. Most of it is suggested. Um, But when the dad does finally get home, he walks, well, he comes into the house and he sees Francisca sitting on the chair and she says the things that you said that she said. And then he walks towards the bedroom, or excuse me, the bathroom, and uh, you hear these noises, like these kind of grunting noises. And, And I really thought that the dad was going to walk in on his wife being raped. That's what it sounded like to me. Um, but uh, that's, that's not what it was. When he opens the bathroom door, we just get a glimpse, just a glimpse, like a second. Uh, it, it appears that Charlie is just like pulverizing this woman in the bathtub. And when I say pulverizing, I don't just mean beating. I mean, it, it seems like he's like destroying her. Uh, in the bathtub. We hear the sound of an impact, but we don't see it. Um, And kind of the next thing we see is him dragging uh, Charlie's body on a tarp. And I I wrote in my notes, oh, okay, so the dad killed Charlie. But it turns out that that's not true. He just, he drug him out into the barn and tied him up. And then it's so bizarre. And that the bizarrity of it, uh, I think makes it a horror movie. Like, like the dad doesn't react in the way that you would expect him to react. It's almost just like, Oh, that's a terrible thing that happened today. But like, not like he doesn't call the police. He doesn't try like they, yeah, he knocks him out and ties him up in the shed, but there's no logical step taken afterwards. And, um, I wrote down like, why keep this, clearly mentally ill man locked up in your shed when you have a young daughter living with you. Like, it's just so strange, the motivations and actions that these characters take. Later on that evening, they're both sitting on the couch. He's smoking a cigarette, and she's, like, kind of cuddling up next to him, and they're watching some kind of old-timey TV show. And and you hear uh, Charlie yelling from the from the shed like franny 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 and he goes yeah. we have to take care of him so then french uh, francisca goes into the shed and takes removes his eyes and removes his vocal cords which is what yeah. i think is why at first i thought it was the tongue but removes the vocal cords so that he can't make um, any noise and any sound and then she comes back in and says he won't be making any more noise now this is one of the things that i liked the most about this movie was because i didn't know what was happening like she goes out there she's this little girl and this guy is chained up in there and they have this really interesting conversation why us Do it. 
is amazing. It's like she's caring for him. She stitches him up like legitimately with like the tool that doctors use. So she must have gotten it from her mom's stash or whatever. She stitches up his wounds. She pulls some glass out of his face. I, I guess the dad must have bashed his face with something that had glass in it because there's glass in his face. He says, I, I, I guess you're going to kill me. And she says, why would I kill you? You're my only friend. Um, and that dynamic is just so bizarre and so strange. And then she she goes inside and she tells the dad he won't be uh, making any more noise. And he doesn't. And then she continues to kind of go out and visit him. And this goes on apparently for years because we the only other thing that we see in this scene is, uh, a, uh, or in this chapter rather, is the father and daughter dancing together in the living room. And then it's, it moves on to the next chapter, which advances us years later. The second chapter is called Father. And when it advances us years later, Charlie is still tied up out there. Like it must have been, it must have been what? Like, like 10, 10 years. years? Yeah. yeah, It's crazy. Yeah. And, and that was another thing that I thought added to the surreal nature of the movie was I, I didn't understand Simone, you said she cut out his vocal cords and she cut out his eyes. I didn't understand that because we didn't see it happen on camera. So I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand why. I mean, you can kind of see she puts a blindfold over his eyes um, and it seems like his eyes are messed up. So I kind of thought, and there, you know, there had been that scene where they had cut out the cow's eyes. So uh, I kind of figured that out, but I didn't understand why he couldn't talk. Um, and it's 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 revealed much, much later in the film, but I didn't pick up on it at all in this first part. Um, and an- another thing that to me added to the surreal nature of the movie is how in the world could not only could she have kept this guy alive, but when we see him in the second chapter, the father chapter, he looks healthy. Like he doesn't, I would have expected him to look like a concentration camp victim or or something along those lines, if he could have been alive. And now obviously, you know, this is, I can only imagine probably an independent movie where they were limited in budget and there was only so much they could do. But for me, um, that was very surreal that this guy had been chained out there living this miserable existence for 10 years and he looked, except for his face, he looked virtually unchanged. I mean, he, he's even like he's chained out there in underpants and whitey tidy briefs. And um, even like 10 years later, he's still wearing these same briefs. And I'm like, like, I don't know. It just it had a very dreamlike feel to me. Yeah, I actually thought it was a weakness of the film just, you know, in that it was so unbelievable as far as I was concerned. I mean, later on, she gives him this bath. This is a little bit later. Um, she ends up giving him a bath and you see his legs. And I said to Simone, I do not think his skin would look that nice and clean. Yeah, you know? she right. must like shave him and yeah, right. insinuated that she probably cares for him more. But like when we see the barn or the shed that he's sleeping in, he's not on a mattress. He's just lying on dirt mm-hmm. or like a wood floor with yeah. the chains around his ankle. So you'd think there'd be sores all over his like open infections, open yeah. nastiness in there. So you're right that that is kind of a weakness. It, <laughs> it is a little unrealistic, but um, but yeah, well, who knows? See, well, and I I wouldn't I wouldn't identify it as a weakness. And and maybe it is. Maybe it was due to 
constraints, budgetary or whatever. Um, but to me, it just kind of added to the surreal nature of the movie. It, 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 it didn't pull me out. It just left me intrigued. And uh, it, it made me wonder, you know, is, am I supposed to be thinking about this in a realistic way? Um, and, and having seen the whole thing, I almost feel like, no, you know, it, I, I, I don't miss the realism because what I feel like I'm supposed to be focusing on is the psychological nature of what's going on with her. Um, and to me, it just made it all the more confusing and strange. And I like that. Right. <laughs> like, I, 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 feel, I feel like if it had been more realistic, I don't know if it would have, I think it would have still had an impact, but I don't know if it would have messed with my mind the way that it did. And, and I actually like that. Well, you're right about the messing with the mind part, because as you say, like, you think you know what's happening, but then you realize it's not quite that way. It, the same way in this chapter with the dad, whereas the, it starts out and dad's dead. Yeah, but you don't know that yeah. right away. And no. that's what I really like. It's the whole subtleness of everything where she she wakes up, the two of them are sleeping in the same bed, and you see this very frail, old version man of her father um and he's very stiff and at first you think okay maybe he's just really elderly and she has to help him like get up out of bed and maybe like walk him downstairs but it's not until later on that she says why did you have to leave me why did you have to go it's clear after a while that she's taking care of a corpse yeah she's not taking care of of a person anymore um and and she's She's bathing her father. She gets into the bathtub and kind of has this really emotional moment um, where she says, please don't leave me alone. Why are you leaving me? Yeah. And, and, and the interesting thing about this is that the dad as a corpse is really not much different <laughs> than the dad, yeah. uh, you know, as a, as a living being. Because the dad just seems completely and utterly detached from reality anyway. Yeah. And... And lethargic. He just sits and watches TV. He doesn't say. He says maybe four. You know, we heard him say four lines. Mm -hmm. um, but even when she interacts with him, he's just staring straight ahead. That was another thing that I found really interesting about this movie because after the mother was killed and they, you know, they disposed of her, they buried her uh, in the forest near their house or whatever. I expected this to go to an incest place, you know, like they're, they're so, they're so isolated and they're the only people around. And now it's just the father and the daughter. And there are even moments or there was a moment where the daughter was um, laying in her bed and the dad came and sat at the foot of the bed. And I was like, Oh shoot, I know where this is going. Um, but it never really suggests that in any way and yet there's still kind of this incestuous feel about it because they're the only people that they interact with at all. So even though that there, there's no uh, concrete suggestion that the father abused her or took advantage of her, even after he dies, when you know, she's caring for his body, you know, she, she, she takes the body to bed with her and she lays with the body and, and uh, like cuddles with it and stuff. In, in the literal sense of the word, it's not incestuous, but it almost feels a little bit that way anyway, even though it's not a sexual thing. Um, I don't know. Oh, gosh, this is such a short movie. It's only a 75-minute movie, and I feel like <laughs> there are so many things that you could talk about with it. Um, and just that 
I guess, you know, I don't understand that kind of isolation, but if, if there was only one person that you had and, and that you interacted with, I guess that it, it would be very intimate, even if we're not talking about on an incestual or, or, or sexual level, um, that level of intimacy, you see it even more so, I would say, after he's dead. You know, like the the fact that that she's bathing him, you know, this that it's something that I thought about. I'm like, even if there was nothing sexual going on, you know, she's bathing him, he's nude, she's dressing him, she's laying him in bed and and cuddling him. It was just all very bizarre and in a in a sense unsettling, but at the same time, you you feel for this character, you feel for her and and you understand, or at least I felt like I understood her loneliness and her desperation to cling to the last person that she had. And and she doesn't only cling to him, she clings to her mother too. You know, she she continues to talk to her mother, even though her mother isn't there. In the grand scheme of things, I guess, really, it's all very sad. It is, yeah. Yeah. And and then it goes to a very weird place, too. Uh, again, something else totally out of left field. Um, she's sitting in the car, and she, it looks like it's taking her quite a bit of energy or thought. Uh, the camera pans in very slowly. And then the next shot is that point-of-view shot where it's almost nighttime now, and she's driving the car. And this was the first glimpse that we got that there was really an outside civilization and that they weren't just totally completely out there. Um, But also just communicated the difficulty that this woman had in choosing to leave the farm. Uh, At first, I thought it was like she couldn't drive. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought we were going to get one of those deals, but she could clearly drive. Um, And she pulls up to a bar. And the next scene is bringing a woman home. And... At first, I was like, are they friends? You know, what's going on? And and very quickly, it turns out that she was bringing this woman home, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to have sex. uh, Because the woman made a comment about how I don't don't normally go home with with people. uh, And that just, like, blew me away. Like, that her, her first... You don't see this woman having any sexual feelings, first of all. And then I just wondered, like, what was it now that draws her to a woman when the only model she's had is a, is her is her mom and her dad? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, you know, yeah. you know what I mean. Or maybe that had nothing to do with it. Like, we're kind of presuming that this is her, maybe one of her first, like, social interactions with mm-hmm. outside people. Because who knows how she's getting, like, food water and and things to take care of herself and take care of the house so you think maybe she goes into town every once in a while yeah and i well to pay the electric bill at least (laughs) but i thought like it i I kind of had this feeling that maybe she had something going with the guy in the barn you know what i mean i thought maybe there would be some Uh of that happening but when she brought the woman home that that totally shot that out of the water for me yeah it did kind of come out of left field but i because he is so accessible to her yeah so why would she not do that, and yet go out and and instead find this girl at this bar, and then what and happens that's why, later happens? That's right. Well, and that's why I think that the movie is so interesting from a psychological perspective because it doesn't seem like it's about sexuality at all. I mean, yes, sexuality is involved. You know, she's she's craving this companionship and and perhaps part of what she's craving is the physical intimacy that comes with that but it doesn't have anything to do with gender you know like she she's just 
she's so starved for any kind of human companionship. Maybe she was drawn to this woman because this woman was approachable. Uh, you know, who knows? But it, it's like it, it doesn't really. And the, to to be fair, the woman that she brings home is young, um, and and seemingly you know kind of innocent. I'm sorry, I'm asking so many questions. I ask a lot of questions when I'm nervous. Why are you nervous? I don't do this very often. Do what? Go home with people. So not that I've never done it before, just I've never done it very often. I just got the sense that she was so starved for companionship that she just clung to whatever, you know, she's like a, a leech, you know, whatever she can eat easily grab onto that's what she gets and this other girl is clearly trying to make connection and asking questions and stuff and she asks you know did you live here with your mother and father yes i did you know what happened to them and she says my mother was murdered and that disturbs the other girl but she tries to comfort francisca and francisca takes the comfort um but then she says what happens what happened to your father and francisca says i killed him and the other girl obviously reacts in a surprised and shocked way. And then Francisca tries to play it off like, oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't funny. Like, like she tries to play it off like it was a joke. But again, that was something that I didn't even understand. And I still don't understand. Did she kill him? And if so, why? Did you guys understand that at all? I think maybe she was trying to make a joke, but just she was so incredibly socially awkward that it didn't come across. Oh, so you thought it really was a joke. It wasn't like she was playing it off. I don't think so because of the way that she was emotionally so attached to her father and almost going through that grieving phase in the beginning, being angry, like, why are you leaving me? Please don't leave me alone. Um, But again, because the movie hides so much of the actual killings, mutilations, things like that. We don't see the eye removal surgery. We don't see vocal cord. We don't even see when she eventually kills this girl that she brings home. We don't see that. And it goes back to that thing in the beginning where you're talking about black and white of like, is she cleaning up blood or is that just water on the floor? (laughs) Um, But we kind of just put two and two together that she presumably kills this girl. So I, I don't think she killed her dad. I think she just was awkward or she was doing it to see how the girl would react maybe to see how she would react because we see the father in the bathtub and it doesn't look like there are visible wounds so unless she like suffocated him or (laughs) it's getting really deep yeah this honestly this was a scene that i rolled my eyes at the whole conversation between the two girls i thought it was um trying too hard uh i didn't like the writing i thought it was very trite i thought that there there i could have i could have predicted every word that they were going to say to each other you know i've seen this in so many other movies and Mm -hmm. and the fact that the filmmaker was drawing this out so long to try to make all these words seem very significant was just super transparent to me um i got really impatient in this scene uh, actually i think it's one of the weakest scenes in the whole movie oh man I've got to just totally disagree with you on that one. I thought that this was one of the most tense. I thought that this was one of the most tense scenes in the movie because I didn't know, you know, I I mean, I guess I knew it wasn't going to end well, but I I didn't know what her 
objective was. I, you know, I didn't know what her end game was. You know, she brought this girl home and, and it's at one point, um, she leans in and tries to, this is after she's already freaked the girl out. She leans in and kisses her. And like, it seems like she's looking for, you know, physical affection. Eventually, like Simone said, we don't see her kill her, but she does. She kills her because the girl tries to leave. And I thought that that was really effective, not only in, you know, the the scariness of, okay, she's willing to murder people uh, at random, but this girl is, I thought, you know, kind of a reflection of what Francisca might have been had she been a normal person, <laughs> like had she lived out there, you know, she's kind of dewy eyed and innocent and um, naive. Um, and, and when this girl tries to escape, the first thing that she tries to do is call her mom. Like that was a, she's like, I'm just going to call my mom and have her come pick me up. Um, and, and that, you know, resonated with me. Like Francisca can't call her mom. And it's bizarre because obviously she is looking for affection and physical affection because after she kills this girl and she doesn't get what she needs from her, she goes out to the barn and gets Charlie and brings him back into the house um, and bathes him and then presumably has sex with him. Again, we don't we don't see it. All we see is she bathes him, she puts him on the bed, and then she strips naked in front of him, and she starts to approach him, and then it it cuts, and it cuts to the next scene. So we don't know exactly what happened, um, but I presume that she had sex with him. She, there's all these shots of her in her bed. And she's always reaching out to the other side as somebody who has slept in the same bed with somebody for almost 20 years. I know that feeling, you know, you're, you're asleep, you're half asleep, but you reach over and you realize that there's either somebody there or there's not somebody there. And if there's not somebody there, that's troubling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that, that keeps happening to her. Like, like, she desperately just wants somebody to be there beside her with her. Um, and as it turns out, you know, Charlie has, has tried to escape and, and she wakes up and, and sees that he's not there, feels that he's not there. And, um, she goes out looking for him and eventually finds him. But uh, that, that, that whole scene with the girl, it didn't, it didn't bother me at all. I, I, I thought that it really illuminated her psychology, you know, that she is just so longing for companionship. It's driven her crazy. Well, I liked the idea of the scene. I just didn't think it played out very well. Uh, That was just my feeling. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. And in the beginning of the movie, um, when we see a young Francisca with her mom and she's talking about the saint, she also says, um, I think, a really important line which is loneliness does strange things to the mind. Mm. Um, which, I mean, obviously we know by now that Francisca is a wackadoo. <laughs> and she yep, yep. is very lonely and is willing to uh, uh, <clears throat> go to those extreme lengths for that companionship because she doesn't know any other way. She doesn't know how to connect to people. She doesn't know right. how to properly behave around people. Um, and that even for someone like Charlie, who has technically been her companion, we're assuming for 10-ish years or so, he tries to escape. And even though he's a 
bad guy because he's murdered people. Yeah. We feel bad for him. Yeah. We're like, go, yeah. Charlie, go, as he's trying to, like, struggle up that hill. Uh, unbelievably. Unbelievably, you think, like, <laughs> sure, what's sure. left of his, what what is left of his muscle tissue at that point. Um, but he doesn't get very far to when we see this really kind of interesting shot from out the camp uh, kitchen window. And we see a Francesca looking out, and she she grabs something, and we see that she's holding a knife in her hand, and goes up to Charlie and and stabs him slowly. Yeah, slowly. Oh yes, slowly. So oh my gosh, I think that was my favorite scene of the movie when she's standing at the kitchen window and she's seeing him struggling um, up this uh, this hill and then the camera doesn't move she moves she moves out of frame and she goes outside and we see her approaching him and it's a long shot like it takes her a while to get to him um, and when she finally gets to him you know we can't see exactly what's going on it's almost like she embraces him and they go to the ground and then they go down i guess to their knees or or to the ground somehow but she's still embracing him like lovingly embracing him and then she's stabbing him and we don't see it because we can only see them from about the shoulders up but we can hear it and like you said it's it's slow frankly i thought it was really sexual you know it it yeah. it, 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 it almost it looked like they were it, like yeah, there's a penetration, you know, penetration, reverse, yeah, uh, yeah thing, uh, the penetration thing. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, the, it was weird. The rhythm of and, it, and it seemed, yes, and and it seemed almost loving in the way that she was doing it. And when she was finished, I mean, she stabs him multiple times, and and when he finally, and he he's alive through most of it. You can hear him breathing and and reacting. And then finally, when uh, he dies, and she's still holding him in this embrace, um, she says, "You were right." it does feel amazing. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so perverse, but I thought that they, that the filmmakers did it in such a way, in such an effective way. Like it, it feels like a really intimate moment. Um, and oh man, I just thought it was really effective. Right. And she's also like, kind of, she kisses his shoulder, kind of mm. caresses him as she's holding like his dead weight against her body. Um, and I, I wonder why she kills him so slowly if, as if she feels betrayed um, that he tries to escape from her, just like how the stranger, or not stranger, well, stranger, uh, that she brings to her house after she visits the local bar and she tries to escape, she gets very offended, like, no, 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 let, let me drive you, let me take you home, please don't leave me, please don't go. And then she sees this man, Charlie, that she's been bathing, feeding, taking care of in a strange way these past years who tries to leave her and she just kills him slowly out of spite but yet it's also confusing as to why she would do that and not just chain him back up if she was so lonely right you, you know an idea Agreed. Has, an idea has just come to me it puzzled me like i said earlier why uh she be, this guy being available to her for so long i just assumed that there had always that there had developed some kind of sexual something there to at least fulfill her needs, but it clear it seems to imply, especially you know how significant it, you know the scene when she uh, you know dresses in front of him that this is the first time that this has happened. It, it, I wonder if there what if if you couldn't read that maybe there was some incestuousness going on between the the father and the daughter because it's not until 
you know, he's gone, that she starts reaching out for these intimate relationships. And why wouldn't she reach out to hit to Char- Charlie first? It might be because at that point, you know, up until now, she's been kind of a mother figure for him. Mm-hmm. She's been taking care of him like you take care of her. You know, her doll. Even as an adult, she's got that doll that is figures prominently in in shots or mm-hmm. in the background and stuff. And there's even a shot of when she's older and we see that she's still taking care of Charlie, that her his her dolls are sitting around him. Like, he's like another one of her dolls. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, a, like a girl. She's still very much a child in a way, taking care of a doll, like a like play mothering. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's not until she is unsuccessful with the woman that she then kind of resigns herself to try it with Charlie. And then when he also rejects her, you know, she has to take care of it. But she does it in a way that, uh, like a tough love kind of way, you know, yeah. like a really sick kind right. of tough love way. I don't know. At the same time, I feel like that's kind of why the movie is interesting from a psychological perspective, because I don't know whether or not you want to read into it that there was anything incestuous going on with her dad. I, I kind of didn't get the sense that there was. But if a person, any person, male or female, was so entirely isolated, like what happens when those desires start to emerge? Like where do you channel that energy um, maybe, maybe it would have been channeled to her father had he been around longer, or maybe it was, if you want to go along with that, I don't know. Um, but when she's in, when she's completely alone and she's so desperate, if she's having these natural human desires for intimacy, you know, how is that? where do you, where do you get that outlet? And, and, and finally, you know, she, she finds it with, with Charlie. Um, I don't know. I just, I just think that's kind of fascinating that, that, that concept of complete and total isolation and throughout, you know, she's still trying to, to connect with her mom after, uh, she kills, uh, Charlie, she cuts up and, I guess maybe burns up part of her dad. Um, and she says, what am I going to do? I can't be alone anymore. And, and she, she, you know, while she's out there, she falls asleep in the woods and she wakes up and she comes stumbling out of the woods onto the highway. And I thought, Oh, here we are. We're back at the beginning. She is going to be the woman. Yeah. She's the woman who is stumbling along the road. Um, and it turns out that that's not true. And it really surprised me. She gets picked up by a pickup truck, not a semi truck, but a pickup truck. And that's when the screen goes to black again and we get the, uh, chapter three family. Uh, and it turns out that she has been picked up by this woman who we don't know. Um, and, uh, this woman has an infant child. And as soon as I saw that, as soon as it cut to that, I, I thought, oh no, (laughs) (laughs) oh no, this is not going to, not going to turn out well. Yeah. And it's just so weird because I don't know. It seemed like when they were driving along the street that I saw other houses passing behind them. Yeah. 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 And that was, that's something again that I thought was so weird. Like the woman 
who is in the truck, like they're driving along. And, and of course, Francisca is fascinated with the baby, but the woman is like, you're just right up here. Right. And what it made me think was they must live in this small town where they know that this crazy lady lives. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, Oh, you're the crazy lady that lives over there. I mean, I can drive you home. Like, I, Oh man, it, it's weird. It's, it's weird, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she's got. I mean, you know what's coming a mile away. Uh, you can definitely yeah. see it coming, especially with the the title family. <laughs> yeah, and I think this this last fifteen minutes of the movie was probably the most gut wrenching for me. Yeah, um, yes, yes. Not it's it's not losing the mom, not losing the dad, but what she does to this young mother. Um, she, yeah, friend Francisca takes. The baby, she she asks when when the uh, mother is re- getting ready to drop her off at the house. Um, she goes. I think I could just hold Antonio. Um, I'm sorry. We we really have to get going. Please, can I hold him just for a little bit? Just, okay, okay. Just do a quick a quick one. Yes, of course, of course we can. Come on, little guy. Yeah, we made a new friend today. Look at that. She's gonna just hold you. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 oh. It's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you just wanna hold his head up? Mm-hmm. Hi, baby. Okay, good job, Hello, honey. Baby. He likes his little. Uh, his little. Obrigado, <laughs> mãe. What are you saying? What are you doing? So Francisca runs into the house uh, with the baby quick enough, you know, quick enough to run upstairs. Um, so the mom must have really like struggled in, with that with seat seat belt. Belt, <laughs> trying to get out. And I don't mean to laugh about it because it is really sad. I mean, it did I'm, look a little goofy, though. It did. And, and I'm not a mother, but you have to imagine like the state of panic that's going through your minds like oh my god my baby my baby my baby and so she runs upstairs her baby is laying on the bed screaming the whole time screaming crying and um francisca comes up behind her uh stabs her in the back and and the mother is alive but crawling on the floor saying you know please don't hurt my baby don't hurt my baby and uh takes her a long time to die she doesn't die Oh, that's she, right. she doesn't she die. die. You're right. And which that's, is, which and is that's even the worse. most terrible part. It's even worse because that's when we realize that Francisca takes the eyes and the vocal cords because the worst scene of this movie is when the mom tries to scream and yell and she just can't. There's no sound. There's right. nothing there. And it's just awful because she knows that her baby is there somewhere and there's nothing she can do. Um, and then time goes by, we're assuming maybe five years or so old enough that um, the, the baby is now a young boy, maybe five, six years old. And he sees what he thinks is his mom uh, go to the barn every so often. And Francisca doesn't take care of this mother that she kidnapped, I suppose, um, in the same way that she takes care of Charlie. No. She doesn't bathe her. 
She doesn't just feed her to the, the mouth. You know, she doesn't spoon feed mm-hmm. her. Basically, just tosses her buckets every every now and again. Um, yeah, and- well, that was one of the things that was gut wrenching for me. You know, I, I felt it with Charlie, but Charlie was a bad guy. You know, I, I didn't think that he deserved what he got. Nobody deserves that, but he was a bad guy. This poor woman. You know, this poor woman who had tried to do a kindness for a stranger now has been mutilated and held captive in these terrible conditions for what must have been years and years. And and the suggestion that I got was that despite all of this mutilation, I can't imagine how anybody could hold on to any scrap of humanity living in those conditions. But the suggestion that I got was that she held on to the love of her child. Like that's what, what kept her going. And it seemed like any time somebody came in, whether it was Francisca or eventually it was the little boy who they named, I think, Antonio. Um, it's as though she was clinging to this hope that that she might be reunited with her child. And, and, and that was just, oh, just gut-wrenching for me. And uh, eventually, once Antonio is old enough, um, he, though he has been forbidden from looking in the barn, he does go out there and he sees her. And at first he thinks she's a monster. And I thought that the filmmakers did a really good job of making her like a monster. Like when he goes out there, he hears, he hears some strange noises. And then this, this woman who's chained up and disfigured emerges from the shadows. Like you can't see her at all. And then she emerges from the shadows and she's just making these guttural kind of growling noises. And, and she looks monstrous and he thinks she's a monster and he runs away and, and hides and says, it's just a nightmare. It's just a nightmare. It's just a nightmare. Um, but apparently he realizes it's not just a nightmare. And he confronts Francisca and says, who is that in the barn? Um, and Francisca says, what? <laughs> I, thought I told you not. <laughs> I thought I told you not to go in the barn. Um, and and it doesn't linger on this very much. And I appreciated that. You know, um, this kid being innocent, being young. There's just something that tells him apparently that this is not right. That there shouldn't be somebody locked up in the barn. And he goes in the night and and frees her. He doesn't share the same genetics, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> family. That's the first. That's the first thing. Yeah, uh, he frees her. Uh, you know, kind of runs out. I guess he unhooks her chains or something and runs out. And this woman um, stumbles out. I-, I thought for sure that uh, Francisca was going to find her or notice the noise mm-hmm. or whatnot. But this woman does get away, and it horrifies Francisca when she finds out. She goes out and then digs up her mother. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Yeah, happy Mother's Day, everybody. (laughs) This is the whole point of the episode. And she's like, she's not completely decomposed, but we see her like cradling a skull and, you know, there's still like clothes on the body and stuff. And she's just like, what do I do now? And, oh. And it's, yeah. it's she's like, still like seeking I, I, I wish you could meet Antonio. <laughs> I wish you could meet Antonio. Yeah, <laughs> we're the perfect family, and oh, oh my goodness! And, but it's interesting that she's still seeking like guidance and approval from her mother, from her mom. Yeah, and uh, it all wraps up pretty quickly from here. Yeah, she basically, I guess 
puts her back in the ground, shovels a few more piles of dirt over her, and as she's walking back to the house, it's nighttime, she sees three cars pulling up to the uh, to the house. And honestly, again, another place where this movie really subverted my expectations. She runs inside, grabs Antonio and a knife, and cowers in a corner, mm-hmm. uh, and you know says, please don't hurt my baby, don't hurt my baby, or something. And then the next shot is this overhead shot of the house with the police there and we don't see them drag her out i don't think or anything like that but i think the the implication is that it's over for her Mm -hmm. you know well and and, and now learn that the the mother who was kidnapped antonio's mother is um, is the woman in chains and she oh yes down in front of the skip that part of the truck and and she's rescued so somehow manages without a voice to convey um, what had happened to her. And I was I was talking about this or thinking about this, how, like, if if you're held captive, you in order to keep going, you have to give yourself some kind of affirmation or confirmation that, like, one day I will get out of this. So, like, okay, I'm on this street. The house was on this road and this street so that right. if I'm ever rescued, I can, like, tell people where my son is or where I was found or where I came from and stuff yeah. like that. So she must have... Memorized that. Memorized everything. Over and over. Found a way to tell people. I totally understand what you're saying. At the same time, my thought was, how? Just how? How could you? At, at that at that point, after being held for that long, how could you hold on to any shred of humanity? I mean, after being treated worse than an animal for that long, how could you maintain any kind of consciousness or, or humanity? Um, but. I tell myself in my mind, not being a parent, if you were a parent and you thought that there was some shred of hope that you could uh, rescue your child, maybe you could hold on to that. But yeah, that end was really interesting. You know, Francesca, um, when the police arrive, you know, she's coming out of the woods having visited her mother um, and, and she sees the cops coming and she runs in and she wakes him up and she says to him, and, and this to me, you know, Francesca's a, not a good person. <laughs> it's it's hard it's it's hard to blame her for her situation but you can't just kill people and steal their babies like that's just not how it works um so you know but but i found myself feeling sympathy for her and she runs up and she wakes him up and and he's like what's wrong he's scared obviously because she's panicking and she says there's nothing wrong but no matter what you learn don't let it change the way that you feel about me. And and even when he had found her, found the the real mother in the barn, when when Francesca had been talking to him, um, she said, "Everything I do, I do for you. Every I would do anything to keep us together." And you believe her, like as as horrible as the things that she has done are. I've, I felt bad for her. You know, she just wanted this companionship. And then you see, um, you don't even really see the cops come in. You hear them and you see Francesca and Antonio huddled together. Um, and then like Todd said, it cuts to that aerial shot of the house with the cop cars outside. I heard a gunshot. Did you hear a gunshot? Uh, Yeah. No, I, I think I heard a gun. I'm pretty sure I heard a gunshot. Um, and, and on Wikipedia, which is the penultimate of all sources, uh-huh. <laughs> the, the, source. the, the plot, the description says that the police kill her. Now I, I think that they are jumping to conclusions there. I think that that, um, is, is very much left up, left up to the interpretation of the viewer. Um, but 
regardless of what happens, the ending feels tragic. I mean, it's, it's nothing works out for anyone, you know, poor Francisca, whatever happens to her can't be good. Antonio, this poor kid, you know, has lost his mother, has lost any sense of normalcy. That poor mother, though she has been rescued, you know, what kind of life can she live now after what she's been through? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a tragic ending and, and it ends so abruptly. And I, I, I liked that. I liked that it ended so abruptly. That was, you know, it was, uh, it, it was kind of a gut punch, like, oh, like we don't get to know what happens. <laughs> yeah. Will Antonio it, be reunited with his mom and right. Yeah. Will they'll will the power finally go out at the at the farmhouse? <laughs> <laughs> and and what's you know what what has she been hauling in and out of the freezer this whole time? She's got body parts going in and out of the fridge. Uh, I was a little unclear on that that little detail. I mean, were we supposed to believe she was feeding um, Charlie the, Charlie with with the the pieces of her dad or and the pieces of. Uh, and she doesn't kill enough people for this to be kind of like a regular thing, but are we just supposed to imagine that she's treating the people as she treats the cows? And Well, and and that's another thing, and I think that I like it about this movie, even though in the moment it was kind of frustrating. You know, the whole thing with how does she live out there? You know, how does this farm sustain with the electricity and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Unbelievable. When, when she... Okay, so Charlie was this transient guy who went around killing people, probably would go unnoticed that he went missing. But when the girl that she killed went missing, wouldn't anybody have noticed? Wouldn't there have been an investigation? Wouldn't somebody have seen her? When when this woman who clearly apparently lives in her community, when this woman and her child go missing, wouldn't there have been some investigation wouldn't there have been some uproar and, and and she was never investigated like nobody ever just even came and knocked on her door and said have you seen like there are so many things that went unanswered even when when she went to get charlie for their rendezvous like she was cuddling him in the barn and it looked like he had a big hole in his back i couldn't tell if that was supposed to be just like like a bed sore or if she had done something to him, like there were all of these things that were unanswered. And in the moment I was frustrated. I wanted to know, but now having seen the whole thing, that intrigue, I, I think was effective. You know, it, it, it made me wonder and it leaves me thinking. Um, and if that's what they were trying to do, I applaud it. If they were plot holes, then whatever, but <laughs> it, it left it left me uh, confused and interested, and I actually ended up appreciating that in the end. Yeah, what you say there really kind of sums up my feeling about the movie. I I really enjoy it a lot more talking about it. <laughs> I really do. Me too. Me too. I, and we've talked about it for almost as long as the movie. <laughs> I know. I know. We're really dissecting it. It's true. It's true. you could just watch the movie and get your own opinion <laughs> instead of listen to us jabbering. But uh, but for sure, I mean, I have to say, like, I felt like there were parts that were a little trite. I felt that there were parts that were long for the sake of just being long. I know that there was a point to it. I know that the filmmaker was trying to establish a sense of. You know, it makes it creepier to make it feel like it's kind of normal. Uh, it makes it creepier to show this scene go on for so long that it almost looks pedestrian. You know, <clears throat> that these horrible things are happening, but it's just more day-to-day -day stuff. 
you know, she goes out and, 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 and she's, as a girl, she's feeding the cows. Uh, and then the next shot, she's in there feeding, you know, the guy. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, she's, it's another chore for her to do during the day. Um, I got it. I got it a long time ago. You know, I was looking for just maybe yeah. a little bit more to happen. Uh, and I did, don't think I needed to see so much of this domestic stuff playing out for so long. Um, I I was able to sit through it and enjoy it this time, you know, because I was in the mood for it, sitting and chilling. But I can't say that if I had sat down and watched this movie it, when I was really in, in the mood for something else or even when I was just the slightest bit more impatient for, for you know, the plot to move along that I wouldn't have been a little more bored and frustrated. And again, I probably would have come to the same place, though, by the end of it. I probably would talk about it with you guys, and then I would appreciate it a lot more. But I can't say that while I watched it, I was, you know, 100% behind the movie and, like, entertained. You know what I mean? Yeah, you had asked mm-hmm. me, like, did you watch this movie before and just like it so much that you bought the <laughs> DVD of it? Or have you not heard of it previously and or not watched it previously and bought it and... and it's not a movie that I want to keep in my collection. Um, what you decide to do with the DVD is up to you. <laughs> She's bestowing it upon me uh, on her way out of China. <laughs> because the cover is really creepy, and every now and again, it like poke through behind the other DVDs on my shelf. I'm like, I don't want to see that. You like push it back. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put it in a drawer because I didn't want it like sitting around. And this is, I'm glad we reviewed this movie because it is one of those movies that kind of leaves you feeling very unsafe settled Mm. um just with the imagery the plot um and uh just the the general story and what francisca as a character goes through um but yeah it's not like a movie that i would typically have in my collection i tend to get the classics and the slashers and things like that um so i don't know if i'll ever go back and be like oh, I'm really in the mood to watch this movie because it is slow and right. it is it's not for everyone but it is it is a horror movie that makes you think in different ways than other horror movies yeah. would like it messes the, with your mind exactly I don't watch Friday the 13th this way yeah <laughs> with right. a critical right. lens True. or anything True. like that <laughs> True. yeah we uh we reviewed The Witch um sometime last year um and and that movie got a lot of criticism for being kind of slow and kind of being a slow burn i really liked it and and i think that i as i was watching this movie it it was only 75 minutes long or or so um it felt longer because it's it's such a slow burn um but ultimately i'm glad to have watched it. And I think that I would watch it again because especially after all of the things that we've talked about, I feel like I could look at it in a variety of perspectives. And um, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's there's something smart about it. There's something unique and original and smart about it. And I feel like I could watch it again. And watching it for a second time, I feel like maybe I would see more and get more out of it. Um, this isn't one that I probably would have picked up on my own. So again, Simone, thank you uh, for, for recommending this because I, I doubt very much that I ever would have just chosen to watch this, but um, I'm left feeling intrigued uh, by it. And, and, and I enjoyed the experience overall. I would recommend it. Yes. Thank you, Simone. Good, good call. <laughs> it's very good, good call. to switch things up every yeah. now and again. It is. 
And it was also important for me to pick a film this time that didn't center around an attractive male lead because, believe it or not, <laughs> on the last two times that I've guessed on this podcast, I've talked very hev- uh, heavily about um, <laughs> uh, some actors, and that's, uh, that's oh, not... Some actors? <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. And that's not why I always watch movies, believe it or not. <laughs> so, I like like listening back to those episodes. I'm like, wow, oh my god, I sound like such a girly girl. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and Simone is not a girly girl. Well, I guess she has her moments. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Simone, for picking this and for the theme. Happy Mother's Day, Happy everybody! Happy Mother's Day! Happy Mother's Day! Don't, don't just get your kids by normal means. Don't steal others. <laughs> <laughs> Hug your mothers extra tightly this weekend, but don't dig them up out of the grave. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend. You can find us on Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher, anywhere your favorite podcasts are sold. You can also find us on Facebook. If you uh, go to our page there, you can like us. You can leave a comment. And you can also let us know what you thought of our very long assessment of this film. Very long. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Todd. I'm Craig. I'm Simone. With two guys, a gal, and a chainsaw. Ring, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.